0: We've been in this series called Pray, um, and honestly, this has been just an opportunity for us to talk about prayer during the 21 days. I think we just overload you with uh, topics on prayer, but we went a little bit of a different direction this year, uh, and that is we started to talk about misperceptions about prayer. Uh, We talked about maybe some difficult topics around the subject of prayer, because sometimes it's easy to say, well, just pray. Just keep praying. Just keep on praying. But we talked about maybe some of the misperceptions we have about prayer. And so week number one, we talked about unanswered prayer. What do we do when God doesn't answer our prayers? Or maybe he doesn't answer the way that we think he should. Maybe it doesn't happen how we thought it should. Maybe our plans got awry and maybe we just didn't see God do what we Imagine that he should do. So we talked about that. What do you do when that happens in week number one? Uh, Last week, we talked about prayer that's not for show. Prayer that's not a performance. We talked how prayer is not this one-time action. It's not this performance you do so people will look at you. It's not this thing you blow your trumpet and then pray. But what is prayer actually like? And we looked at the places that Jesus prayed and the way that Jesus prayed. And we studied that in week number two. Today, I want to talk about one more misperception about prayer. And honestly, I think this one is the reason why a lot of people don't come to the 21 days of prayer. And if you're looking to your left or your right, I'm talking to you. All right, everybody, that's what I'm doing. I think this misperception is maybe why a lot of people don't come to prayer nights. or they don't come to a worship event or they don't do a lot of these things. And this is the idea that I want to pray. I want to seek God. I want to be close to God, but I just don't feel him. I just don't feel the presence of God. I don't get the whatever it is. I don't feel his presence. And maybe I've been to a couple of prayer services or I watched somebody else during worship and it looked like they really felt something. But I don't feel it. Or, or maybe maybe I read my Bible and I I'd sang the songs and everybody else seems to be getting something out of it. And they seem to be feeling some sensation that I'm not feeling. Can we be real with each other today? I, I saw that person and I, it just looked like they were feeling something I wasn't feeling. And so I want to pray. I want to seek God. I want to be in his presence, but I just don't feel it. It's just not happening for me. I can't tell you how many people tell me that as a pastor. When I have a counseling or a one-on-one conversation, and then I ask people about their spiritual life or about how their, their relationship with God is, it's just this. I can't tell you how many people. I just don't feel it. I don't, I don't have the feeling. I, I just, and so today I just want to, I want to talk a little bit to you about this idea of when we come into the presence of God, what that means. But I want to address this question because I think every single one of you has either felt that in life or, you know, somebody let's just we'll make it a little anonymous. You know, somebody who has felt that way, that they just didn't feel the presence of God. And then if you're a part of a small group, you've always got right that one annoying person in small group who feels God everywhere. Right. They just feel God's presence And they're just like, I was just driving a small group and my favorite song came on the radio and I just felt God. I just felt him and God spoke to me. And then I was driving to the mall and I was just praying and God gave me a parking spot right at the front. God just, I just felt the president. My husband got a promotion, right? And every song I love came on the radio and my son got a prestigious scholarship to a top university. And it's just, I just feel God everywhere. And you're like, I was driving to the mall and I hated every song on the radio, and I couldn't find the parking spot, so I walked half a mile in the rain, and my husband got fired, and my son failed out of community college. So where is God in the midst of all of this? Shut up with your I feel God everywhere. Everybody's kind <laughs> of, all of us have someone around us that feels God everywhere. So what do we do when we don't feel God? When we don't feel His presence? I don't feel God. I wonder if you've ever... Ask the question. So that's what I want to talk about today. So just for fun, let's start it off how we started the first two weeks. Show of hands today. How many of you would say, in my life, in some point in my life, I have felt the presence of God? How many would say that today? Now, I told you this. Look at the hands going up. I told you first week, right? Half our participation, half our peer pressure, because everybody else just raised their hand. And so I got to raise my hand, too. How many would say, I have felt I have felt God at some time in my life? It's interesting. How many of you then would say you felt God this morning? You're here at church. We're going to we're going to give the church answer. How I many of you felt God this morning? It's interesting. Let me ask you this, then. How do you know? How do you know you felt God? i gonna be a little tongue in cheek this morning. So if I offend you. The back doors are in the back, everybody. But let's just talk a little bit today. How do you know that you felt God? That you felt the presence of God. What do people say when I ask them that question? What do people normally say? Well, I got like the goosebump feeling, right? Like I got the tingly wingly. I got the, come on, you can, you can laugh with me today. All right, we're going to do, you say, oh, I got those things. Or some people would say, well, I cried. I cried during worship. I just felt the tears. And that was, I felt God's presence. I don't know. Some many people might say, well, I just felt a peace. I felt this, this peace inside of me. I just felt really peaceful. I don't know. How, how do you know that you felt the presence of God? And maybe you did feel the the tingly in the presence of God. Maybe that was something you felt that goosebump or tingly feeling. But you can also feel a tingly feeling, right? When the roller coaster gets to the very, very top and the bottom's about to drop out. Some of you hate roller coasters. Stop breathing right there. You just just (laughs) relive that moment in your life. And maybe sometimes you do cry in the presence of God. But when that touching YouTube video comes on with the sad dogs and cats and the music plays behind it, you also cry. In that moment, right? Did you feel the presence of God? I don't know. You say, "Well, I felt really, really peaceful." But you can light some candles, get the bubble bath, get some Kenny G going. Right? You can feel some peace. You can manufacture some peace. Did you feel God in that moment? I don't know. Some of you are like, yes. Bubble bath. I felt God in that moment. How do you know? And I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but I want to push you a little bit today, because I want to talk about this. I want us to have a real conversation. How do you know that you felt the presence of God? How do you know that it is the presence of God? Let me ask you this: If you didn't feel God's presence in church today, whose fault was it? Just think about that for a second. There, poke somebody next to you. Tom, who's, whose fault was it? God's fault? Was God like, I just didn't like your attitude this week, and so I'm going to give my presence to everybody else but you this morning? I just, I don't like your hairdo today, and so I'm, I'm giving myself to everybody else. I'm just going to swerve around you with my presence. Was it your fault? Did you just not have your antenna up so you just didn't sense get the feeling that God's presence was around you? Whose fault was it if you didn't feel the presence of God? What do you do if you didn't feel? Was it the worship team's fault? They didn't pray your favorite song this morning. And so obviously you can't experience the presence of God unless they play your favorite type of song. Get them back up here. Was it their fault? Whose fault was it? And so I want to talk to you a little bit today, and hopefully we end up in the same place, because I want to talk to you about how, honestly, the presence of God is not reliant on your feeling. It's so much bigger than your feelings. But I want to start off today, before we get there, I want to remind you that you are not the first one. If you say, I I don't feel the presence of God all the time. I can be in the middle of a worship service, and there are people around me who look like they feel something I don't feel. I don't feel it when I read my Bible, but I Still faithful to do it. I I don't feel it when I pray all the time. I just don't feel I want to tell you I want to start off today by telling you are not the first one to feel that way. And I think sometimes in church we do a disservice to ourselves and to others around us by trying to put up the facade that we are 100% always so spiritual, always feeling the feelings that everybody else has because we want to be a part of the group. And I want you to know you're not the first one. And so we want to look, I want to give you some personal stories in my own life, but also look at some spirits and giants of the faith and also one literary Christian giant that I think a lot of you know really well and let you know that you're not the first one to feel that way. Psalms 88, let's start off in the Psalms, if you will, at verse 13. You can feel the frustration of the psalmist. Last week we read Job. This week I want to switch over to the Psalm. He says, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me? And hide your face from me. You can feel this this idea of the the psalmist here, this, this rejection of God. I'm crying out to you, but I just don't feel your presence. God, I don't even know if you're there. Why do you reject and hide yourself from me? You look at some of the spiritual greats of the Bible. David, who, man after God's own heart, has so many intimate moments with the Lord. Wrote the Psalms and all these different psalms and verses, right? Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. David, who experienced these intimate moments, yet in other psalms, other ways, you hear him cry out to God. God, where are you? God, why do you let my enemies do this? God, why is this happening in my life? God, why don't I feel you in this moment? Where are you, God? You see this duality in his life as he cries out, because we read not just the Psalms where he is crying out in faith and in promise, but we read the Psalms where he's crying out in rejection and feeling alone. You're not the first one to feel that way. You look at some more spiritual giants. Paul in the New Testament, this guy experiences the risen Christ. He has these experiences with God, all these revelations. He one time has a revelation of heaven. He's not even allowed to tell. It's so incredible. All these moments of things. But then you look at Saul. You know what Paul did the first few years after his conversion? For years and years and years, he waited. He waited. Waited in the deserts of Arabia. Waited in training. He waited and waited. Some people think he waited over 14 years. But however long it was, for years, Paul waited for this call to come. For years, he waited on God. Got called and then felt like, what am I supposed to be doing? Even Jesus, you talk about Jesus, the most intimate relationship with the father of anyone who's ever walked this earth. Most intimate relationship, fellowship, moment by moment. Jesus is on the cross. He becomes sin for us. And I don't know exactly what happened because the Bible is not exactly clear about what the father did or did not do. But evidently, Jesus in this moment becomes sin for us, becomes our sin on the cross. And God, the father, who is a holy God, cannot look at it. And so in this moment, in Jesus' most broken, desperate moment, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the words of Psalms 22. cries out in his most desperate moment, cries out to the Father. My God, my God. And the wrath of the Father is poured out on him. Where are you, God? You're not the first one to feel this way. I think sometimes we do a disservice to our church, and we do a disservice to ourselves when we think, well, I'm the first one ever to not feel the presence, the tingly feeling of God in this moment. And it must not be a spiritual moment because I didn't get the tingles. Some of you know the, the writer C.S. Lewis. If you don't know, maybe you're not a Christian or you just haven't read his works or you haven't looked into that. He's one of the giants of the literary works of Christianity. And maybe you do know the Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote a lot of other incredible works. Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, God in the Dock, A Grief Observed. Wrote so many incredible works out of the faith, but in a grief observed, he actually, he deals with these feelings he has after a tragedy in his own life. One of the most raw and open writings you'll ever read. But C.S. Lewis, this giant of the faith, he just writes as real as he can be after he suffers one of the darkest moments of his own life. And he cries out to God in the midst of this. And this is what he writes after he cried out. He says, a door slammed in my face. He's writing how he feels in this moment. He's, he's just raw before God. And he says, in a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. He says, this is what I felt, like heaven was closed. He said, I ran to God in this moment, this this man who had written so many incredible writings and manuscripts about faith in God and about how we come to grips with the different parts of the Bible, all these different things. He had had done all this for millions and millions, affected the world around. And he says, this is how I felt in my moment of tragedy. He goes on to say in this metaphor, there are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seems so once. Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in our time of trouble? It's a giant of the faith. And this is how he felt in that moment. Now, I would encourage you to read uh, the entire book. It's not very long and you'll see how he comes through this moment, how he walks through this valley. But this is how he felt in this moment. And so if you feel like, well, I just don't feel the presence of God, you are not the first I I just don't feel the the tingles. You are not the first one. If you don't always feel the presence. So what I want to do today is I want to walk through three possible reasons that you might not feel the presence of God. Before we get into the rest of this sermon. I want to see you might three reasons. You might say, yeah, I want to seek God. I, I want to pray. I want to do all these things during the 21 days. I want to be a part of the life and the spiritual blood of the church. I want to be in all of this. But I just don't feel three reasons that you might not feel the presence of God. Number one, jot it down if you're taking notes. Why don't we always feel God? Number one. You might be valuing feelings over faith. It's going to get quiet in this church today. I can feel it already. We're going to have a, great, we have a great Sunday. You might be over sensationalizing the feeling of the presence of God. Because we're doing exactly what the disciples did. So many times this is the number one cause for a whole lot of Christians. Why we don't feel the tingles. Maybe we might be sensationalizing what the presence of God actually means. It's what the disciples and those who followed after Jesus in the crowd did in John chapter 6. Watch this. They come up to Jesus and they ask him in the chapter, what do you want us to do? And Jesus says, to believe in me. And they say, that's great. Okay, we'll believe in you. But watch what they ask him. they say, then what sign will you give us that we can see it and believe in you? What will you do, Jesus? They come to Jesus. They say, what do you want us to do? Jesus says, you need to believe. And they say, okay, then give us a sign so we can believe in you. Give us the tingly wingly so we can believe we're in the presence of actual God. Show us something, Jesus. Do something. Do something so we can believe. And then they bring history into there to try to bolster their argument. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So God did a miracle in the Old Testament, God. So why can't Jesus, why can't you do it right now? Give us a miracle so we can believe. And we do the same thing. God, I, I want to believe that I'm in Your presence. I want to believe that You are the God who saves me. I want to believe it. So do something, God. Show me a sign. Some of you are over sensationalizing it. You want to know God. You want to feel it, but you're waiting. God, give me an audible voice. God, to part the waters of the Mississippi. Come on, God. I want to. forget the bridge with all its traffic. I want to drive my car across dry land. Come on, Lord. Do something. Some of you want the audible voice of you're praying for a decision and all you want is God to speak with that, that voice, that you know, deep voice in your room in the middle of the night, scare you out. Some of you probably would not survive God speaking in the audible voice in your room. Probably be the end of all things. God spoke to him at midnight and he's not with us anymore. But you want that auto. Some of you think, well, I, I just... I don't know what to do in this relationship. Some of you are like, I just don't know. I'm dating this guy. And I just don't know if I want to break up with him. But if nothing better is coming along, then I don't know if I want to keep him around for a little bit. I just don't know what to do, God. You just speak to me, Lord. Give me give me an audible voice. Thou shalt break up with him. For he liveth with his mother. Come on, somebody. Like, he just... <laughs> we, we want... And we joke about it. But we, some of us are making decisions. And we want, like, an angel to appear. We want him to have that, like... Pizza shop, cardboard arrow, like, go this way or this way. We, we want these things in our life. We go to Jesus and we say, give us a sign. We want to believe. We want to have a relationship with you, but show us something. Give us a sign. We might be over sensationalizing the presence of God. And sometimes God speaks with an audible voice. I'm not discounting that. But a whole lot of times that he doesn't. And we'll discount the entire word of God because we're waiting for God to do something new. We'll discount every chapter and verse that he's already given us where he's spoken to us because we wanted to do something sensational. We say, what kind of sign, Lord? I want to follow you, but I'm going to need something. I'm going to need another sign. And I think sometimes we we mystery. I think sometimes we don't realize that there are hundreds of years sometimes between pages of our Bible. We're up hundreds of years. And so we flip through and we're like, well, God spoke on this page and he spoke on this page and this page. So he must speak every, he must do this great and mighty. He must do all these things. And we discount the other things God is doing in our life and the way that he's living through us and using us to reach those around us. Because we're so hung up on the sensational aspect of it. Some of us, we just might be valuing feelings over faith. Might be feelings over faith. There are times where you may feel him. I'm not going to discount that. There are times where you embrace those moments, but there are a whole lot of times where you may not. We as Christians are not called to be tossed around on the wave of if I feel the tingly today, then maybe I'll follow God, but if I don't, then I'll just wait till He does something. We don't sensationalize our faith. From my own life, I'll just tell you a few, couple of options or times in my life, most spiritual moments in my life, where I didn't feel anything. You may say, well, that's just sacrilegious. Pastors should glow in the dark. Come on, somebody, you should just feel like this and feel nothing. I, Just times, and I just want you to know this is not, I think sometimes we have boiled the Christian faith down to, can I just go from high to high where I just feel the tingling every day of my, sometimes we feel nothing, but it doesn't mean it's not God's presence or a moment in our life that God can make a difference. First, when I was 11 years old, we had taken a group from the church down to an event uh, down at the River Center. And so I'm sitting there and I, I got, I probably told you this, I don't know, a hundred times that I, when I was younger, I would get lost. I just had this tendency, this knack for, let me just say, I didn't get lost. Everybody else got lost. Everybody. All right. This is, let's just clear that up right now. I knew exactly where I was. Everybody else just got lost in relation to B. but 11 years old, you lose the group. That is the greatest thing to happen to you in your life. And so I'm just having a great time. I found new seats for myself. I'm just, I'm enjoying everything. I bought some candy. I'm, I'm having the time of my life. Sitting there, and I still remember in that moment, though, sitting there on that hard, non cushioned I'm just sitting there on that seat. And I'm looking around me, and everybody else is, there's Christian bands and all this stuff is playing, everybody else around me, they're raising their hands, everybody's in worship. And I remember sitting down, eating my candy, and thinking, like just, just having the most simple thought pattern in my head, that God loves me. And not not in this, like, hoopty-doopty, whatever, everybody, this emotional, all this kind of stuff. I just remember thinking that in my mind. Not that he loves, you know, pastors and elders and youth leaders and, and all the other people in the youth group, but that God actually loves me. And I remember in that moment, I'm just sitting there, my little 11-year-old brain, and it wasn't some altar call moment. It wasn't some, you know, orchestrated musical number. I didn't even like the song that was playing. But I remember thinking in that moment, okay, Jesus, I believe wasn't a feeling. I didn't feel anything. didn't feel anything at all. I, I didn't have the, this moment where it's this, this height on top of the mountain. It was just this choice that I made and I never looked back. It wasn't a feeling. It was a choice. And I think sometimes we wait for the altar call moment. And we wait for that, that tingly feeling. And I promise you, when you make this choice, it's a choice every single one of us needs to make. I didn't even have time. I kid you not. 30 seconds later, they found me. Come on, somebody. It was just... 30 seconds later, that youth leader who was over our age section pulled up with half his face of relief that I was alive and half rage that he would not kill me. Come on, somebody. It was just a moment. It's just a moment in my life. But I didn't have time for the tingles. I didn't have time to cry and have this emotional response. It wasn't feelings. It was a choice. And I get one thing across to you today. You won't always feel those things. If you do, embrace it. If you feel them at moments, embrace that moment. But it will not be every single one. And we cannot let our faith get derailed because we're so hung up on our feelings. The next one, just a few weeks or a few years ago, sorry, um, I took some supplies from the church to Western Sahara uh, in North Africa there to the left of Algeria below Morocco. We had raised money for water supplies and and these jugs that we were taking, these big 50 and 100 gallon uh, jugs for each of the homes there and sent eyeglasses there. And so I took all of that in. I had an incredible trip. We went in to just share the love of this church to them. And so we spent three and a half weeks in the deserts on the left side of Algeria, then into Western Sahara, sleeping uh, in the same rooms, eating the same food with a refugee family out there. And so we ate what they ate. We slept where they slept. And listen to me. I love to go to travel, to go on mission trips, uh, to lead teams around the mission field. I love it more than almost anything in my life. But I will never understand this internal body that God has given me, all right? Because the spirit is willing, but the stomach is weak. It just, it's just the way I was created. I don't understand what it is. I got more sick than I've ever been in my entire life coming out after those three and a half weeks. And so I flew into Madrid, into the airport there about the next morning to take the flight back to the States. And I spent, I got one of those little hotel rooms in the airport there. And I spent the entire night in the bathroom on the floor, hugging the toilet. Come on, have you been there, somebody? You just just got my arms wrapped around it, just my best friend. For six hours, I spent in there on the floor. I thought, just Lord, take me now. Just let this be the end. Let him ride. I died in a Madrid hotel bathroom. We just <laughs> put that on my gravestone. But my wife tells me I can't tell the whole story in public. So we'll just skip to the next morning, everybody. So we'll just get to there. And so I drag myself out, get on this plane back to the States and we sit down and the pilots given the opening things. And so we pull out onto the runway and we start speeding about to take off on this plane. And I realize, as we're about to take off that I needed more than any moment in my entire life to be in a bathroom. Like at that moment, I had to be. So I didn't care that we were leaving the earth. I didn't care that the little light was on. I am sprinting down the hallway back to the bathroom in the back of this plane because my life is about to be over. And so I'd get to the back, and <laughs> poor steward, i still see him. He's strapped into his little chair, shouting something at me. And so i just duck in the bathroom and lock the door. And so we're taking off. So the whole plane is about at this angle, right? We're taking off. And so he's, he's pounding on the door, shouting at me, Sir, you need to sit down. And I'm shouting, I am sitting down. And we just had this great... <laughs> Hang with me. I never tell long stories, everybody. I never. <laughs> 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 and so after everything settles down and I'm praying in my life, Lord, if you ever love me, don't let him have a key. <laughs> like, if Lord, if you ever. <laughs> and so to my. Things settled down. The plane leveled off. And so I finally I emerge. Again, my wife won't let me tell the whole story. So we're, I emerge out and that man is still there. Now we've leveled off. And so he's filling the orange juice cups to pass out to the rest of the passengers. And I thought in my mind, I need to apologize to this guy. Because I have caused him undue stress in this moment. I have shared the stress of my life with him. And so I took a step toward him and I said, excuse me. And I don't know if you've ever spent 24 hours losing every ounce of fluid in your body. I don't know if you ever had that experience, but I stepped, I said, excuse me. And the world went dark, everybody. And listen to me, there are dainty ways to faint, right? I understand that. There are like you crumple into a heap or like you fall into a couch or like, you know, you put your hand to your forehead. This was not that. I slammed into the wall of that plane so hard, lost all consciousness, knocked this man's orange juice everywhere. <laughs> To his credit, I think he tried to catch me. I think he tried because all I woke up to is I am in the back seat of the plane, buckled in. Come on, somebody! I just thank, praise God for the flight crew. Just praise God, Lord, bless them. Buckled into the thing, and I thought, Lord, help me! I got eight hours of this. I got eight more hours. Lord, just be with me. Lord, and think. And I came, a few minutes later, I'm sitting there just thinking, Lord, just get me home. Just get me. I'll never, I'll never go on a mission trip again. Just get me home. And a few minutes later, that same steward came to my seat, and I thought he's about to light into me. He's going to, I don't know, if it was today's day, he's going to duct tape me to my seat. I don't know what's about to happen. And he leans over me to the person sitting next to me, and he starts to explain to them. He's not even looking at me anymore. He just explains to them that they had some mix-up with the meal that they had ordered, some special meal. And so they weren't going to be able to bring it to their seat. turns out they had celiac disease. And if some of you don't know, our oldest two sons have a similar condition where it deals with their eczema and their skin. And so we started to talk about that just with this person sitting next to me. i figured we're going to be here for a while. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm one of those people on the plane that you hate everybody. I'm just. And so we start to talk about that. And we start at least to one thing to another it starts to where I just came from. and starts to talk about the church and the love that the church had for these people in the Algerian desert. And this what we did as a church, what we sent to them, got to talk, got to share Jesus for over three hours with them. And they got to hear for the first time that Jesus loved them like that. That God actually loved them. Listen to me, everybody. I didn't feel anything, which is probably a good thing in that situation because it probably would have been a whole other connotation to it. I didn't feel anything. People say, well, I didn't you feel goosebumps in that moment? No, I didn't feel a single thing in that moment. But the Bible says, be ready in season and out of season to share the gospel. It means in feeling and out of feeling, in the tingly wingly and out of the tingly wingly to sort of share the gospel. Bible says in season, out of season, in feeling, out of feeling. And so in that moment, I didn't feel anything short of a sickness. I didn't feel anything short of whatever it was. But God had placed me in that moment. People say, well, didn't God orchestrated and God moved you and God did all those things? He probably did. But I didn't feel anything that we would say. This is the presence of God. In fact, I felt the exact opposite. But I knew in that moment that God had put me there. I had an Opportunity. In that moment and whether or not he caused a sickness, whether or not he moved, orchestrated, did all these things, whether or not all that things happened, he can use the moment that I was in to let me share his love and his gospel. Because it's not about me looking great. It's not about me somehow being this this paragon of thing. I was I can't share the whole. Story. I was puking up. It was an awful moment in life, but God could use it. And so it's not about feelings. It's about faith. If we needed a great sign from God every day of our life to follow him, how weak would our faith be? If we needed him every moment to give us this this goosebump feeling in our life, how weak would our faith be? We would be like the crowd that cried out, what are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do? Give us a sign that we could see. How weak would our faith be? In those moments, listen to me. And jot it down if you're taking notes, but feelings are not a requirement for the presence of God. They're not. And I think sometimes we have done ourselves a disservice by saying that they are. They're not a requirement for the presence of God. They're not the only evidence that God is with us. They can be. You can experience a feeling in the presence of God. You can experience a peace. You can have those moments, but they are not the requirement for his presence to be with us. Jesus told his disciples one time, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe and have never seen. Feelings aren't a requirement. There's some of you, I'll just say it outright. There's some of you, you're over sensationalizing the presence of God. You're looking for the goosebump feeling. You're looking for the audible voice when sometimes it's a quiet whisper. Sometimes it's just God orchestrating. Sometimes it's God speaking just through his word that he's already given you. But we're looking for something more. Let me tell you it this way. Some of you are looking for something that may not even be there because you're missing that God's presence is already with you always. Some of you, you say, well, I just don't, I just need that presence. I just don't believe some of you Maybe you're looking for a sign when Jesus already displayed his love for you on a cross. Some of you are asking for something too many times. And the second time, so the first one is we just value feelings. Second one is this. If you're taking notes, jot it down. Maybe you're just simply distracted. This one will hit a little closer to home. Wait till we get to number three, everybody. But maybe you're simply distracted. God is with you, but you're distracted from being in his presence. Probably the most powerful verse for this in scripture is out of Luke chapter 10. Jesus and his disciples are on their way. He comes to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, Martha has a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet in his presence, listening to what he said. Jesus is physically there. His presence is there. So Mary sits at his feet. But Martha, what's this? Martha was what? Martha was distracted by the preparations she needed to make. Preparations for Jesus. But it kept her from his presence. You know, I have met Christians sometimes who are so wrapped up in trying to do the works for Jesus. They don't spend any time in the presence of Jesus. They get so wrapped up in trying to do as much as they can for Jesus. They never spend any time with Jesus. They don't even know him, but they know what to do for him. I think sometimes we misuse. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be for Jesus to be distracted. It doesn't have to be works for the ministry to be distracted. We are blessed and cursed with more distractions than any generation that's ever come before us. And I say blessed and curse because sometimes it can be a blessing, but I think a whole lot of times it can be a curse. And we're so distracted. We talked a little bit about this last week when we go to pray and we think, well, I've got this to do and this kid to pick up and that one to drop off. And I've got this thing to prepare and I got to I got to get this thing here and we got to pick up milk for tonight. And we're out of butter and we have to mow the lawn and we don't have the oil for that. And we, we get into these moments where we should be spending time with God. And we're just distracted. We just let the things of the world choke it out. We just let it distract us. It says Martha was distracted from being in the presence. God is with us, but maybe we're just missing his presence because we're distracted. Third thing, if you're taking notes is this, and this one isn't quite so much fun, but maybe some of you, you may not be seeking God because your heart has been hardened. And honestly, this is not one that's fun to preach and it's not one thing, but I would do a disservice if I didn't tell you this. That some of you, maybe you're not experiencing God or you're not following him like you did before because your heart is hardened. Jesus wrote to the churches in Revelation and he wrote about this, that you've lost your first love. And I think sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we're not doing any show of hands, right? This part, we don't do that in the middle of the sermon, but if we were honest with ourselves... Maybe sometimes we would say, well, I'm not following God like I used to. And if I stood face to face with myself 10 years ago, I'd probably have a few fingers to point. If we were honest with ourselves, maybe sometimes our hearts have been hardened. Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah in Matthew chapter 13 about these people that he was talking to. He said, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. Listen, Jesus is standing right in front of them, but they can't see it. He says their heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. What happened? Probably at some time they were open to the things of God. But their eyes have been closed and their ears have been closed and their heart has been hardened. And I don't know if that's you today. I'm just walking through a couple of reasons maybe that we don't experience the presence of God. And maybe it's just because our heart has been hardened to the things of God. We're not soft to those things anymore. We've let the thorns of life grow up and choke it out. And we just let our hearts be hardened. Isaiah chapter 59, it says this, and I don't want to use this to scare you. That's not what this sermon is about. That's not what my heart is. But I would do a disservice if I didn't at least warn you of this. Because the number one reason... Honestly, for a hardened heart, for a Christian, maybe who was followed God a long time or maybe not as long, but for a Christian to have a hardened heart, the number one reason is a sin in your life. If you want to be closed off to the things. The number one reason we don't spend time in the presence of God. Number one reason we skip our Bible reading or we stop praying or we skip over these moments where we spend time with God it's the same reason Adam ran from God and hid in the garden is because there's sin in our life. We're nothing new, everybody. We're not so new. Thing. No, because of sin in our life, oftentimes we will not spend time in the presence of God. We're not open to the things of God because our hearts have been hardened. In Isaiah, the prophet says to this, God says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf when you call. It's amazing. Watch this. But it's your sins that have cut you off from God. He goes on to say in the chapter that you don't, the way that you fast, you pray and you fast, but you raise your hand and strike your neighbor and you don't give to the poor and you you do all these things. And he says, you can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. We don't talk about those verses too often. And listen to me, we could spend three weeks in this. I want to be very careful here when I explain this, because number one, watch this. If you are a follower of God, you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian. If you sin... Are you no longer a follower of God? Are you somehow not a Christian anymore? Obviously not. If you're a follower of Jesus, you sin. You're still a follower of Jesus. But there is a loss of intimacy that comes when you have an unrepentant sin in your life. Let me me explain it this way. If you are in a relationship, a marriage or a friendship or something, if there is a loss of trust in that relationship... If there's some breakage of trust, there's something that happens. There is a loss of intimacy that comes along with it, right? Everybody understands that. You lose that intimacy in there. Same way is true when you have an unrepentant sin in your life and you allow your heart to be hardened. And I've seen it so many times in people's life. And the reason I know it so well is because there have been times in my own life that I have let some sin in my heart, some sin that continued to be there over and over, that I didn't go for repentance and I didn't go for forgiveness that allowed that intimacy to be broken. It's not that God moved away. It's that we have allowed something to come between us. And when we have those sins in our life, I can promise you there is no greater source of stress and anxiety in your life than a hidden unrepentant sin that you hide away in your heart that you won't let anybody see that you won't bring out in small group because there's no way they'd understand and you won't bring out before God because there's no way he could love you. And so you let that thing fester and you lose an intimacy with God. You say, well, I just don't feel like I'm living for God the way I used to, I would pray like David prayed, Lord, search me. Search me, oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. David prayed again in his life. He said, said, purify me, God. He He cried out to God. See if there's any wicked way and lead me into path everlasting. He called out to God, Lord, cleanse me. God, God, cleanse me in my life because trust has been broken when there's something separating you from God. And some of you are saying, well, that's great, Pastor. I'm enjoying that, but I don't do any of the big sins. Well, congratulations, everybody, whatever those are. Like, just congrats. Let me pat you on the back. You do anything, but maybe you're living with what we might call social sins. And they just have been in your life for so long. We're just living with them. Things culture says, well, everybody does these things, so it's okay if you just have them. You just say, well, Lord, it's just my thorn in the flesh. No, it's sin. It's sin. And I don't know what those might be. I don't know what you might be living with. Some of us, we just learn to live with these social sins. I don't know what it might be for you. For you, it might be envy. You can't even like look at Instagram without thinking, well, I want that house and I want that boat and I just can't. I want that spouse. I can't. God gave me this one, but I want that one. And I just, I hate her. I can't believe she got that thing. And I hate all of them. I can't, I don't even know why they're my friends. I just hate all of them. I just hate them all. Envy. And you're living with it. I don't know what it might be for you. For some of you, it might be gossip. Did you hear about so-and-so? We just need to pray about so-and-so. Let me just tell you all about them so you can pray for them. And we're living with it. Could be lust. Could we just have an eye that wanders around? I don't know what, it, and I don't want to be mean today. I don't want to poke a finger in there, but I do want to be honest with you. Some of you, it might be gluttony. It might be pride. It might be lying. It might, whatever it is. So many times we let these sins fester and live in our lives. Could be laziness. What, what social sin have you allowed to take root in your life? Because it's just, okay, it's just my thorn in the flesh. It's sin. The Bible's very clear that it's sin. And every now and then you got to do a self-check. And I've told you, the reason I know this is because I have had moments in my life where I've let these things go unchecked. These social sins that we say are just easy for us to deal with, and so we'll just keep them around. So I, David prayed in the Old Testament. David, honestly, David sinned and sinned. David did a lot of sin. And so you read the Psalms. David is always crying out for repentance. He's always trying. He's always doing it. And so you read in the Old Testament, he prayed to God, created me a pure heart. And maybe, maybe your heart has been hardened. He said, creating me a pure heart, a right spirit within me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Some of you look back to the day after your salvation, if you remember that moment, you remember, you remember that, that moment. You remember those, those times when you were an early Christian, you remember those times when you had a heart for God's word, you had a heart to pray and you say, well, it's just not happened. Maybe some of us are just over sensationalizing it. But maybe some of us are distracted. Maybe some of us just have a hardened heart. I don't always feel God. we talked a lot about feelings today. And so I want to end today just with three promises that have nothing to do with feelings. Because I promise you, promise you that it's not feelings when we follow God. It's that's not what we base our faith on. If you always felt his presence, you wouldn't even need faith. But the good news is the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because he says anyone who comes to God must first believe that he exists without even having seen him, an invisible God. And so if we're going to have a following after God, if we're going to have a spiritual relationship, we have to have faith. And it's the only thing that can please God. So I want to do today as we close this message out is I want to build your faith. Maybe with some promises. I just want to build your faith. If you're taking notes, first one jot it down is this. You need to understand that you'll find God when you seek him. I promise you, if you seek God, you will find him. And this is such good news. It has nothing to do with the tingles. has nothing to do with how you feel. If you seek God, God promises that you'll find him. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jeremiah 29 scripture says, when Jeremiah is prophesying about who God is, the God that we serve, he says, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, declares the Lord. When you seek God, church the bible promises you'll find him has nothing to do with a feeling has nothing to do with the goosebumps has nothing to do with any of that it says when you seek him you will find him that god delights in showing himself to you god delights in drawing men to him god delights in having us run to him he delights in drawing us that we would seek him and he promises that we will find him and listen to me this is such good news god's not playing hide and seek God's not like saying, well, like, you almost got me that time. We're like colder, colder, warmer, warmer. That's not what God is doing. God's not like, well, try again tomorrow. You might find me. No, God says he delights for us to seek him. He delights to show himself to us. We have a God who promises that we would be able to seek him. When Jesus rose from the dead, we can know him intimately. Jesus rose from the dead. It says the Father sent the Holy Spirit that would live inside of us, that would draw us. We have this promise from God that he is with us always that his presence is there for us and not just some like side hobby that we would seek and know with all of our life with all of our heart that we would seek God that we would find him that He loves to reveal himself to us and some of you honestly would just ask the question well then how do I seek him I don't want to assume anything some of you have been Christians for a long time you you know you say well I just know that but some of you you say well how do I actually seek him I promise you there are a few ways one of them would be through his word like we Like we talked about at the beginning, we over-sensationalize. If you want to seek God, one of the best ways you can is through His Word. You can seek God in His presence. You can seek God through the Word He's already given us through His, the Bible, that He's given us this gift. One way you can seek Him in prayer. You say, well, how do I pray? Come this week during the 21 days of prayer. I promise you, each night, 6 to 7, we'll teach you how to pray. We'll give you direction. We'll have these moments where we pray as one church. But you just pray. You pray like he's a friend because he is. You pour out your heart to him. You bring the things that you care about. You bring the things that are on your heart that are weighing you down. You pray for his will to be done. You pray for his kingdom. one of the ways you can seek God is in prayer. You can seek him in worship. You can seek him in his word. You can seek him in prayer. You can seek him when you worship. Get a few songs and just play them. When you're driving down the road, you can play them when you're getting up in the morning. You can play them when you're exercising, you're working out. Whatever it is, you can turn that mundane normal moment into a moment that you're seeking God you can begin to pray or you see, you know, a great sunrise or a sunset. And you think, thank you, God, you're in this moment. I can see the majesty of your creation. You have these moments where you seek God through all these things. Or you pray for somebody or you reach out and you do that. And you didn't feel anything, but you say, thank you, God, that you used me to spread your kingdom today. That your presence was there. We can seek him because he says he'll be found by us. First one is you can seek him. Second one, life can be lived in God's presence. We talked all last week about this, that you can have this ongoing existence. This isn't like you come to church on a Sunday and you are in God's presence and then you just wait for the next Sunday to come up for air. No, you can live in God's presence all throughout the week, all throughout the week. Bible says this in John chapter 14. Watch this. He said, I'll ask the father and he'll give you another advocate. That's the Holy Spirit who will never leave you. Some of you need to write that down. Some of you need to have that moment. He'll never leave you. The Holy Spirit leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him. But watch this. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. You know where you are in this verse? You're in the later. It's after Jesus died and rose again. You're in this later that we have this promise of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that guides us, that directs us. That if we never feel the goosebumps, we never feel the tingle, we never feel any of that. We know that God is with us. We know that God is leading us. We know that God lives inside of us. And so you can live life in the presence of God. You can live your entire life as a Christian in the presence of God. And the third one, probably the most important of this moment is you can experience God right where you are here right now without a shadow of a doubt in your life, when you live, you can experience God. Watch this in Acts chapter 17. In the first verse, he talks about God created the world, created everything in it, but from one man, he made all the nations. They inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times and histories, the boundaries of their lands. And watch this. Why did God do that? Why did he create you? Why did he place you at a certain time and a certain place? Why does he have purpose for you? Why did he make any of this? God did this so they would seek him. And reach out to him, perhaps, for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us. Though he's not far from any one of us. God did it so we would seek him. God did it so that we would know him. God did it so we have a relationship with him. Why did God create us? Why did he place us at different times? Why did God do all of this? He did it so we would seek him. That we would reach out to him. God is not a God who is hidden. God is not a God who plays hide and seek. God is a God who wants us to seek him. And to have a relationship with Him. And the promise to us is that when we would seek, we would find. That He would be found by us. That's why it doesn't really matter what I feel. That's why it doesn't really matter that I have the goosebumps. It doesn't really matter what I feel. If some days I feel God's presence, I'll embrace it. But if some days I don't, I'll still worship Him. If some days I feel this heightened sense of whatever, I'll embrace those moments for what they are. But if some days I don't, I'll still lift up my praise to him because it doesn't matter what I am feeling. It doesn't matter if I feel God's presence. What I want him is to feel my worship. I want him to feel my adoration. I want him to feel my existence because it's not about me. It's all about him. The glory is given to him. And so it doesn't matter if I feel the presence. It doesn't matter if I feel the tingles. What matters is that I lift up my worship to a God who is worthy of it. In all of my life. And so if I'm on the mountaintop and I'm in the spiritual high, I will worship him on the mountaintop. But if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, if I go through that moment, I will still praise and worship him. When I'm in the darkest moment, when it feels like heaven is silent, I'll still lift up my praise. I'll still lift up my worship. I'll still live in this quiet confidence that my God never leaves me or forsakes me. It doesn't matter what I feel. What matters is our faith as we live this life for Christ. As we live this life in things. I want him to have my adoration. I want him to have my worship. Anytime a child lifts up his hand towards God. You think about this. Jesus used this analogy several times. He said, you as earthly parents, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You as earthly parents, you know how to love your children. You as earthly parents, you know how to reach out to your children. He said, you know all that. How much more? how much more the father's heart towards us anytime a child lifts their hand toward a parent anytime a parent responds to that child anytime we lift our hearts towards god anytime we seek him god responds to us and i It might not always be a tingly feeling. It might not always be the goosebumps. It might not always be an audible voice. It might not always be the ground shakes. It might not always be all these things that we have conditioned ourselves to expect. But I promise you, your God never leaves you or forsake you. I promise you, God's presence is with you always. I promise you, your God loves you. I promise you. And so we stand on our faith. We don't stand on our feelings. We stand on our faith. That He is a God who rewards those who seek Him. He is a God who is open to those who go after Him. He is a God who loves us in every moment of our life. Because He loves to reveal Himself to those who pursue Him. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Father, I just pray. God, as a church full of people, God, who long to be in the presence of God. I pray, Lord, right now. God, if we have over-sensationalized it, forgive us. God, if we have had a hardened heart, forgive us, Lord. If we have become distracted, forgive us. Lord, if we have allowed our feelings to take precedence over our faith, God, forgive us. Because as a church, all we want is to seek you. All we want is to live our lives in the presence of God. And so I ask you right now, Lord, let us see you in the moments, God, that maybe we don't feel it. But let us know that your hand is working. God, let us continue to search in your word because you have spoken to us. God, let us continue to pray in these moments because we know that you are a holy God who cries out and meets us when we seek you. We know you are not far from any one of us. And Lord, right now, we just ask you. Lord, we know that you can speak audibly. We know, God, that you can move mountains and you can shake the earth. But even if you don't, let us live with the confidence that our God is with us. God, I pray for those who may be missing you because of the buffer of sin. God, I pray for those who don't feel an intimacy with you because of a sin or an unrepentant thing in their life. God, give us the courage and the boldness. One to confess to you that we would have forgiveness, but one to confess to others around us so we could have healing. Lord, I pray right now, God, let us never be so prideful that we let sin take an anchor and a hold in our life. Let us never be so prideful that we miss out on a forgiveness that you are offering freely. Let us never, ever, God. Give us the boldness. Lord, I pray for those, Father. God, those who may have felt a hardened heart, God, or may have missed out, God, have lost the joy of their salvation. God, those who may have forgotten their first love. I just pray, Lord, rekindle that fire in us. Lord, let us not be like the mob that cried out, give us a sign. But, Lord, let us just be humble before you and say, we'll follow you. No matter what we feel, we'll follow you no matter what happens. Just continue praying right now. And those, Some of you might be here today or you're watching online. Some of you, you're hearing all of this. And maybe you don't feel the presence of God and you don't feel close to God. And you feel a million ma- miles away from God because you just don't know him. And you say, well, this all sound great, but none of those reasons are because of that. I just, I don't feel close to God because I just don't know him at all. Listen to me today. He knows you. And not the spruced up nice version of you that you dragged to church on a Sunday morning. He knows the real you. And listen to me carefully. He loves you anyway. He knows the you last week. He knows the you last night. And he loves you anyway. He wants you anyway. And I don't care what anybody else has ever told you. God loves you and God wants you. And so if you're here today and you say, well, all of that sounds nice, I'd love to have a relationship with him. I'd love to be close to him, but you just don't know what I've been told or you don't know how I would be treated. You don't know. God just wants to judge me. Listen to me. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he came for us exactly as we are, that he loves you, that he wants you. That God is drawing you. That he's drawing you. And so in this moment, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not inviting you to join a church. I'm not asking you to pick up a religion. I'm not going to take you to a side room and give you a hundred different steps. That's not what this moment is about. Right now, I'm just telling you that Jesus wants you and you can follow him. You say, well, who is Jesus to me? Jesus is the perfect son of God. While we were in sin, Jesus came to the earth, died on a cross for our forgiveness, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later that anyone can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Anyone. And so that's you right now. I just want to pray with you. And we as a church, we've dedicated this, that we would pray along with anybody who wanted to make that decision. You're watching online. You're in the room. You say right now, I want to follow Jesus. I want to repent of my sin." I want him to make me brand new and I want to follow him with my life. If that's you right now, I'd just be my honor to pray with you. You can make that decision right now. It doesn't have to be a goosebump feeling. If you feel that, that's great. If you feel God's drawing you, that's incredible. If you feel him pulling on your heart, that's amazing. But if you feel nothing, you can still make a choice to follow him. Because every single one of us at some point in our life, we made a decision. Every single one of us at some point in our life we said I repent of my sins and I follow Jesus. At some point in our life we made that decision. This can be your moment. Right now. If you say that's you just pray this with me. In church no one prays alone. Say Jesus forgive me of all of my sin of all my mistakes. I repent. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus name. And all of God's church said amen and amen. Church, can we give God glory for what he's done today?